hoe, riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lyrically at. Can none of y'all mirror me back? You can hear me rap, it's like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young HO, rap's great for dead. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Miami Nice, the podcast that celebrates the 2006 Michael Mann film Miami Vice. I'm Katie Walsh. I'm a film critic for the Tribune News Service and the LA Times. I'm here with my lovely co-host Blake Howard, who is a podcast impresario and film critic and wears many hats. He wears many hats. <laughs> I, I'm taking podcast impresario straight to <laughs> straight to the Twitter bio. That was a great one. Thank you, Katie. What an intro. And we have a great guest today. We, he's a film writer for the Playlist and Film Combat Syndicate, and I might say a film Twitter darling. I'm mm. going to just give you that, oh, Brandon. He's, 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 he's lovely. <laughs> lovely on the film Twitter. Brandon Stroising, welcome to Miami Nights. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm really, really excited to be here. Oh, good, good, good. Well, we're all about the positive hot takes on Miami Nice, which yes. is what we were talking about last week and has taken off. And I'm yeah. very happy about that. Oh, it's so good. And it's also like actually taking the time to uh, ruminate over a movie instead of just shitting on it relentlessly, I think is something else that came out of last week's episode. <coughs> Excuse me. And so what Gady and I do, Brandon, is... We just have our feelers out for Miami nice nerds all the time. Like we are watching you. We're just like, we're on the top we're of the, always... we're on top of the club, you know, with our old Nokia's and we're f figuring out some surveillance, you know, what's happening downstairs. You have been like a Dominic Lombardozzi type with a bevy of beautiful women surrounding you talking about Miami Vice. And we've been on the roof looking at grainy yeah. TV footage. And so we are so thrilled that you, uh, uh, like a wanted to come and chat with us about this, but B obviously the anniversary came out. So we were just able to like line up some wonderful guests and kind of anyone that we saw out there, people of, you know, of our own ilk that were like, I'm writing about Miami Vice for its 15th anniversary. This is what I'm doing. Please let me write about it somewhere. And your great article went up on the playlist. So, I mean, tell everyone on here your relationship to Michael Mann movies, because I think I know that a little bit better. And Katie does, because we've been inter interacting as much. But why does Michael Mann's Miami Vice, why is that one stand head and shoulders above the rest for you? It's actually an interesting question because I'm, I, I, I want to say the first Michael Mann I saw was Collateral, and I saw that in theaters when I was pretty young. I was probably 12 or 13 when that came out, and, and, and I was, like, kind of transitioning, like, what I liked about movies, and I was, like, becoming, like, a movie nerd and everything, and my dad was taking me to see all, all kinds of stuff, and I saw Collateral, and I was, like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, this movie looked insane. And and then for some reason I missed Miami Vice and then just like within the last five, six, maybe seven years just started to come around to like I, I saw it and was like, that was pretty cool. And then I saw it again and I was like, that was really cool. And then I saw it again. And I was like, no, this is amazing. And then like I think by like my fourth or fifth watch, I was like, I think this is my favorite movie. And I don't know, there, there, there's just so much I love about it. Um I I like the you guys were talking about it in the last episode about um just the idea of like people so committed to a job that they, they they can't escape and there's there's always you know the idea of like some kind of tropical um tropical escape far off for them and like i like that through line and i think miami vice kind of hits that the hardest and and the fact that you know colin gets to go do that <laughs> and just 
but yeah, um, there's just there's so much I love about it. I love the digital photography. I I love soundtrack. I just it, it's such a like I, I've been using this word a lot lately, but it's such a vibe movie for me. And it's just like the first few times I felt like I don't really know what's going on half of the time, but I'm just like in it, and I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, I love that your your piece that you wrote for the playlist like starts with referencing. I mean, a the the headline is that it's a a, a you know quintessential Michael Mann, and that you end with this idea that Sonny is sort of the ultimate Michael Mann protagonist, and in a way because he does achieve that tropical island dream that so many of his protagonists are are thinking about. Yeah. Um... That, that was something that I kind of didn't really pick up on. Um, I think I think I always knew it, but it was something that I hadn't thought about until I was starting to write that piece. And I was like going through some of my favorites of man. And I watched Thief and I was like, oh, this has been here since the beginning. Like, yeah. th- this is this has always been here. And, and like I'd seen Thief a few times, but it's just something that hadn't really clicked in my head. And I was like, oh, this is like this guy's whole thing. <laughs> the... the- the one thing that I wanted to talk about, I really want to talk about with your piece, and I think it's great, Brandon, so people can check it out. We'll make sure a link is up on, obviously, oneheatminute.com and in the description. But I think you put it best when you said that Colin Farrell's like the quintessential man's man. The one thing that you start to touch on in your piece, and I almost want to like commission you to write the rest of it, like the book about <laughs> it is like, is... Michael Mann attracts these extremely committed actors, usually big actors at the peak of their career, willing to go through, you know, the insane preparation uh, levels that he commands of people to do. But the one guy who is actually genuinely drunk the whole (laughs) production. I I was trying to find a delicate way and I just couldn't, I couldn't find it. So the pause is staying in the show. I'm not cutting it. But the one person who is genuinely on the line, like teetering on a level of like professionalism and chaos in both the production of the movie and in the film is Colin Farrell, Sonny Crockett. Like as much as we hear the law, you know, obviously heat law is like that, you know, Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino's character was on Coke. Pacino doesn't strike me as a Coke fiend like that. He's, he's a, thea- he's a theatrical nerd. Like he's just, he's an act, he's an actor, you know, like that's the guy that he is. And James Khan, obviously such a muscular, tough guy in Thief as we talk about right back then when he plays Frank and he's just kind of got that, he's got that amazing like ultra macho presence that is bigger than his physical presence. But I can't think of another actor that is in the whole oeuvre that's like, you know, that they say with a comedian, like who's committed to the bit. It's almost like he's committed at like an Andy Kaufman level. Like he's like, no, this guy's on the line. I'm going to ride this line. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot myself like an arrow into the sun. Like this is where (laughs) this thing's going. And I think that it's just a miracle that like he was able to keep the rails on in a movie where the rails absolutely go off. It's so interesting to me because he seems, he always seems so professional to me, even, even like, with all of that that was going on and like yeah. you read stories like and who knows how true any of everything is but like there was that oral history that came out a few years ago about the making of it i forget which site had it but they talked about how like uh jamie fox was kind of like you know like ego tripping a little bit be- before the movie was being made and colin farrell like gladly took a pay cut to let him like get paid more he gladly took it because i think he was supposed to be billed first and 
he gladly would like moved back on the poster and it's just it's just he seems like such an open-hearted and nice guy and i think that's why like it's like so heartbreaking to watch him just like destroy himself on screen it's, and i think that's what makes him so compelling and you, you guys brought up that really that that really like that i think famous part of the movie where they're in eddie marzan or uh his eddie marzan's house and he just looks out the window and it's like call colombia man that's jose euro really he is auc you know colombian right wing paramilitaries you know who they are they are vertically integrated they you are mean they walk around with constant erections no they farm, process, produce, export. I know what it means. No, see, it gives them attitude. A player negotiates too hard and you never hear from him again because these guys kill everything. I gotta know what's the skinny. It's none of your fucking business. They can come back on me, baby. Can't come back on you, baby. I'm not sure to that. Hey, Sunshine, when has Rico or Sonny ever lied to you? Huh? I mean, when has anything Rico told you not to happen exactly like he said? You made a 15% commission off three money laundering prosecutions I put you into. You know, which is why you live in your $4 million condo and you question Rico and Sonny. Oh. Fuck that. I will cap your skanky ass and throw it off that goddamn balcony. Yeah, then we can kick back and watch Marlon's highlights on this 65-inch plasma. After we clean this place up, don't you ever put anything away? Plus, he's gonna commission Jose Yero for putting you to Jose Yero. Anybody looking at his ill-gotten gains? IRS looking into his shit? Any reason this does not go down? That's the sound of air rapidly filling the vacuum created by your departed body. On account of how fast I remanded your ass back into custody. Why is this happening to me? Because you lead a life of crime. Can't do time, don't mess with crime. He's cool. You make the call. Is, is that Colin looking out the window, or is that Sonny looking out? Like, is he, yeah. he looks like he's looking. He's like looking through time and space at, for something. And it's like, are you okay, man? Like, do you need... <laughs> <laughs> the entire movie is. Are you okay, man? I, I yeah. just imagine yeah. that so many of those shots that we love are just like there's a first AD walking in. Are you all right? Is everything yeah. just? That hand on the shoulder. Is everything okay? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of so interesting. Like, yeah, you. We have this idea of man as this like ultimate. He's researched everything down to the last inch. It's re it means something. It's referencing something. It's like significant to him in some way. You have all these actors. You know, super serious actors. You have. You know, I think Pacino did the like great ass line. Like, didn't he do it like forty times? Uh, and he like <laughs> they shot it so many times. <laughs> mi mi minimum. So the great thing about this is why I think Michael Mann loves Pacino is because Pacino used to give him six takes of the line as he wanted it. He goes, it was about six or seven takes, and then he's they started what were called the wild ones. <laughs> so man would let him go, I need this take. And he'd do it like, cause obviously he's such a pro. He's like, I'll do it six times. One, two, three, four. Yep. Michael, you got it. And Michael's like, yep, I got it. Some wild ones. Yeah. And then just <laughs> unleash. So sometimes yeah. they did go longer. Some big, some of those big ones went <laughs> a lot longer. <laughs> 
And it's so funny. Side tangent. I'm pretty sure I'm like referencing this piece of knowledge about man and Pacino that I learned from your podcast, Blake, <laughs> that when you interviewed him, um, I'm like telling it to you like, hey, have you heard? Uh, you literally did the interview. Um, but but like the like this, I think the edgy bit of chaos that 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 obviously is coming up from both what's going on in Colin Farrell's life and then all like the stuff that's going on with the production, like I think the combination of like the super serious preparation and the like unpredictable elements, including the hurricane, including Jamie Foxx's whole thing, the shooting, like all that stuff. I think like it's like that combination of the preparation and the chaos that kind of like gives this the magic that it does. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was thinking about that recently, actually, just uh, talking to somebody else about this. Um, it just feels like it's a movie that shouldn't work on any level, and I guess for a lot of people it didn't for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's just it it just feels like like magic the entire time. Like I feel like that's something that I mean that's such a like lame thing to say, I guess. But like it just feels like I I think the, the last time I watched Manhunter, I started to realize that like it almost was like man's like reaching in somewhere and like showing us things we shouldn't be seeing all the time like he's just showing us like these really ethereal like otherworldly things but like they're so like but they also take place in the real world it's like such an interesting dynamic like like i i just don't like with manhunter i, I feel like it looks so much like a man movie but it also feels like you're having a psychotic break while you're watching it like, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> And I feel that way about Miami Vice a lot of the time. I feel like you're spiraling with Sonny the entire time. And it's just like, it's just like the movie looks insane. Like it, it, it doesn't, nothing about it looks right until he gets to Cuba and then everything feels like warm and, and you know, uh, comforting. But like the, the scene with, um, I cannot believe I'm blanking on the actor's name, but it's Alonzo. Um, that, that scene is so frightening. Oh, John Hawks. Um, John Hawks. Yes, is yes. Saying. Yeah, there's so many just frightening scenes, and you're just like, "What is like? What is happening right now? Like, am I okay?" Right like, <laughs> and but it's it's just um yeah, like it just I feel like he captures like that feeling like better than anybody. Like whatever tone he's going for for his movie, you feel it like inside of you. It's really strange how certain times when you revisit a movie that have like a an even more profound impact than you remember because that that recent and sensational batch of neo-noir curated titles that were on Criterion Channel that I think all of us and so many of our friends were just like binging together collectively. (laughs) It was beautiful because we're all just like talking about all these great movies together. But I just had someone like I, it was, I think it was you, Brandon, as well as others who were just taking screen, these screenshots of Manhunter and going, what the fuck is this movie? Like, what is it? (laughs) And there are just so many iconic, like, exactly as you said, these like really ethereal dream like shots that feel like they're plucked out of someone's like fearful subconscious rather than like this hyper, uh, hyper authentic, uh, investigative procedural, let's get a serial killer movie. Um, they have this, like, it's like a dream state. And I, and I, I remember seeing some of those tweets and then I like sort of sat in my office and like turned every light off and just like binged binge the movie and I was like oh my god like this is a really great movie too like not that not that I would ever dismiss a Michael Mann movie but it's just like <laughs> oh my god like sometimes it's just like people are telling you a way to approach it and a way to watch it and I feel like that's some of that's a consistent theme of what we talk about in this show is that like it feels like more contemporary like 
there's like an attitude with contem- great contemporary crime films that they almost don't give a shit if you can't keep up. And I feel like Michael Mann set that. Like, he basically right. set that standard with this movie. He's like, catch up or don't. Right. Like, see if I care. And you're like, <laughs> all right. And so if you went with it, you go, and that whole, like, chaotic thing that you're talking about is there, or you're just like, I hate this movie. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But also like, it's like this idea that I think essentially the stuff that happens in terms of the crime and the loads and the, you know, Gary and brotherhood and all of this stuff, like that's not what matters in this movie. Like what matters is the relationships between Sonny and, and um, Tubbs, between Tubbs and Trudy, between Sonny and Gong Lee, you know, like it's like all these relations, it's all about the relationships and and again, the vibes and stuff like that. So it's like, it doesn't really matter what happens. Like all we know is that Tubbs is like trying to save his girl. And like, that's what, you know, that's what we just, all we need to know. So it's like all that detail oriented stuff is there, but it's like, eh, I don't know. It's just about the feelings, <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> like I love, I, I absolutely love when a movie like nails the emotions and like, I don't need to pick apart the logic. Like, I'm like, I don't need any of these movies to make sense. I just need to like care about the people that are in them. And that's the most important thing to me. But I think it's interesting. Like I'd never thought when you talk about the Alonzo scene, the John Hawk scene, like that's such a nightmarish scene. Mm. And then it's like, sort of like, that's the kicking off the whole thing. And then, you know, Sonny's like going into this nightmare and then he like finds this dreamland in Cuba. And it's like that tension between the nightmare and the dream is like really, I think that's kind of the engine that's kind of like making these things going. Stay back! What'd you do? I fronted their undercover team to these guys like usual, you know? They're feds, Russian speakers. I was the middleman. What, 15%? Yeah, 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 to set up the meat. They grabbed Leonetta. They took Leonetta. I gave them up, man. Gave up the feds. Everything. Everything I knew, Rico. I gotta go home. Got people there, man. How do they get on of you, Lonzo? How the hell do I know? They knew one rush was FBI from the get-go, so... They knew I knew. Rico, I gotta go Lonzo. home. Lonzo. Lonzo. Rico, I gotta Lonzo. go. I gotta go. Lonzo! I fucking Hold go. On. They wouldn't hurt. <laughs> they lied. Oh, 
Yeah, definitely. Because like when you first meet everybody, or well, at least in the theatrical version, you're just like thrown in immediately and you don't really know what's going on. And then, you know, they, they're on the rooftop getting their intel and they're both on different phones yelling at the same time. And there's no, no conversation that you can follow. And so for like a lot of the movie, you're just like running headfirst with these people. And I think what I like so much about man is that like, he's kind of a big softy at heart. So like yeah. all, mm. all of his movies feel so romantic to me, even if it's just between like Crockett and Tubbs, like there's such a, like, like he's so great at, um, nonverbal like uh communication between people that like you can just like you get so much from a look between two people and i think that's what matters most about his movies more so than plot or story it's like you just you're with professionals who understand each other understand what they're doing and it's like, kind of like as chaotic as it is it's almost a calming experience too because you're like i'm in the hands of like a filmmaker knows what he's doing i'm in i'm in the hands of characters who know what they're doing and even though crockett's spiraling like he's the most professional spiraler. I don't know if that's because <laughs> <laughs> like, he's gonna get the job done no matter what. But it's just it, it's like a it's like chaotically calming. I guess is you you touch on two things. You touched on two things and it's like a, a thing that's happening right now in the world. That silly meme of like my summer plans and then the Delta variant <laughs> yeah. and some sicko. I don't know if it was you, Brandon. I can't remember who it was, but someone put a picture of John Hawks and then a truck. <laughs> And yes, I was like, wait, I think I saw that. I was like, oh my God, that was so crazy. And so, yeah, absolutely uh, <laughs> that. But you just said, um, I don't think we've talked about maybe my one of my favorite shots. So for the longest time, it was like my favorite shot in the whole movie is when Sonny at the peak of his spiraling is like fired up and like wants to kill Fujima and like he's being calmed down by Tubbs. And he's like, what do you think I'm in so deep? I forgot. And he just pauses and looks at him and goes, I'll never doubt you. And like, that's love. Like, I'll never doubt you. Like, yeah. like I'm with you. I know that you're a lunatic and I know that you're going to be, you know, you're, you're like, we're going to just live in the wake of the chaos that you create, like a tornado yourself. Uh, but I'll never doubt you. And I'm like, oh. Isn't that nice <laughs> that you could have someone so comfortable that you'll everything's going to be like it's going to work out, and that you're not a total wreck of a human being that they can give you that confidence to go. I'll never doubt you because I genuinely don't know if there's anyone in the world who would say the same to me. And I, you just like it's like they're like maybe cool it, you know. Um, but it's 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 so it's so like so simple, but it's so profound. Like I don't doubt you. Like I know that sometimes it's going to go up and down, but. I don't have to worry about your intent. Like it, that, that line, I'll never doubt you is saying like decades of history together. Like I'll never doubt you. Yeah. I know that this thing goes up and down and sometimes there's chaos or whatever, but I'll never doubt you. And I, I think you're so spot on with that. And there are so many great male relationship movies. And I feel like one heat minute productions, we're about to dive into one of the great ones of uh, master and commander um, uh, as part of that with podcaster and commander. And I, I feel like, you know, Miami Vice absolutely has that in spades um, with 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 Fox and, and Farrell. No matter what was happening off screen, the on screen stuff is just it, exactly as you said. I think you use the word magical. It is it's truly magical. Oh, I just I feel like the the I'll never doubt you thing is also Michael Mann saying that's Colin, even though Colin's like wasted <laughs> while filming. Michael Mann's like, look, I, I you got it. I know I know we're gonna finish this movie. I'll never doubt you. <laughs> yeah, that's I, so sweet. It is sweet. I hadn't thought of it. That's beautiful. <laughs> Genuinely. No, one thing Brandon, you and I have talked about on Twitter or just like tweeted at each other about is like this idea of sincerity. 
in movies and how it's like so undervalued. You know, a lot of films these days are hyper self-aware, self-reflective, kind of ironic. And I mean, that all has a place. I totally enjoy like a self-reflective film that's like commenting on the medium, but I also just really crave, especially these days, like something that just has heart and sincerity. And for all the man films that are about men doing jobs and crime and you know, being an outlaw and all this stuff, like they are, and especially Miami Vice just has like a big beating heart at the center of it. And we've talked about that a ton. We were obsessed with the relationships and the sex scenes and all that stuff. But I just think this movie is like, you know, we're having this conversation and we're like, oh, that's so sweet. And like, <laughs> it's just so sincere. Like the friendships are sincere. The way that they care about Alonzo is sincere. Like the way that they, you know, fall in love is sincere. And then it's it's interesting because like the, I feel like the one outsider to that is, is maybe Jose Yero because he's so scary and almost nihilistic in a way. And so it's like, I, I don't know. I, it's just interesting that we are, that man's movies really do embody this like cinema of sincerity in a way. Absolutely. Um... That, that's something I've been keying in on, on a lot lately, the last few years of sincerity. It's like, I, I don't want to turn this into like, you know, the, the conversation that like we're all tired of having on Twitter, but like the Marvel movies, I feel like have turned like irony into like the thing that blockbusters are all about. And I mean, it's not just them, but it's just kind of frustrating when you're like really in on something and then, you know, a character takes the time to like comment how, on how crazy something was. And I just like, I just want to like be in it with them. And I feel like, his, his, you're right his movies just have this like big heart to them and that's another reason why i love black hat so much i know that that's like a lot you know when people are still coming around on and everything but i think that that movie is maybe his most romantic and hopeful movie and and i just like yeah um it I, i'm i'm all about sincerity these days i think that's why i loved old so much <laughs> like i'm obsessed with old right now <laughs> oh <laughs> i love old too i saw it last week i had a blast i haven't seen it god damn it freaking sydney lockdowns <laughs> we will not spoil it please don't there's, a no, please don't. there's an island <laughs> where you get old it's got enough I, ingredients I, I, for me to want to see it is what i'm saying yeah. I'm so I'm so in on old right now that I'm I'm actually going to the beach uh, starting tomorrow. I'm leaving tomorrow, and I'm, all I'm hoping for is that I you know get old while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> A few years older. Um, yeah. the, the I I think that that's uh you know when we were talking about sincerity and blockbusters or just like big movies, a movie that just came to mind is uh the the Chris McQuarrie and Tom Cruise Jack Reacher, and that's a movie yeah. that like yeah. uh, in a completely different mode does not have it has jokes but it doesn't have irony it doesn't wink at you and say i'm a movie it just is a movie about a heroic right. badass character and if you just want to stay on the ride with him and these characters it completely works and so i completely agree i would so much rather like these glib bullshit superhero movies with blue lights in the sky i could give less of a fuck about excuse my language uh, my potty <laughs> mouth but i just could not give a flying fuck about them yeah but i will watch jack reacher the first jack reacher from 2012 like a hundred more times because it's you know it's it, people are in the movie like doing sincere things there's no art like 
you know, and especially Chris McQuarrie is a guy who is extremely self-aware screenwriter and a, and a very talented filmmaker. So if anyone has the skill set in Michael Mann parlance to like be ironic and, yeah. and, and comment on the fact that they're in a movie, I love that McQuarrie's like, no, that's not my game. I don't need to play. I want to make movies like classic movies that feel yeah. like just where we're, we're, we're in on this entire this entire process, this entire style. And All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with some more Miami Nice in just a moment. I also think like the Miami Vice tweeters are also oh, doing the Lord's they work. Are just, yes. Love you guys. I love you guys. I think oh it's just God. like the repetitive action. Like people will just keep hearing it and hearing it. And like I was texting with Corey from Cinephile the other day and he was like, you know, I have only seen Miami Vice once, but this podcast really makes me want to revisit it. He's like, I just want to. He's like, I don't know. I'm like not that big of a fan, but you guys just talk about it all the time. and we, I want to watch it. So it's like, it's, well, don't, yeah. give away, Go ahead. don't give away too, don't give away too much. Cause I'm pretty sure we're all just part of like a psyop to get people to watch. Katie, the CIA has asked you guys to tweet about Miami Vice at least three times a day. <laughs> yeah, John Krasinski's paying me very well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, the other thing, I mean, kind of going back to the sincerity point, the thing that you sort of wrap up your, your playlist piece about is like how bleak this movie is mm. and how um, bleak the ending is. But and so it's sort of like a weird dichotomy. I mean, this whole movie is sort of a weird dichotomy, like series of weird dichotomies um, or juxtapositions of like, okay, it's like very sincere, but it's also incredibly bleak. But it's sort of like you have to have the one with the other to like make it work. Definitely. I, I think if there's not that balance, it becomes a little too like, uh, now, like, oh, now, like, I, I'm feeling too much, uh, you know, one way where it feels like it's, um, oppressively um sincere and and like you said that balance is just like what what needs to be there to kind of like ground it for you and 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 um because i just saw a movie recently i'm not going to name it because it's a lot of people a lot of people really really like it but but i just felt like the, the movie was really just wanted me to cry the entire time and i was like i'm really not feeling this because you're you're asking me to do that and i don't want to and i just feel like with with like Miami Vice is like such a like strong balance struck there that's just like I don't know it it, it like I, I feel so happy and sad watching it it's like such a it's such a great dichotomy. This is what's great about it is there's something almost radical about that Havana scene because for a split second you're like are these guys just gonna run away together? Yeah. Are we just gonna leave this movie? I like it. Oliver Brothers. You know Oliver Brothers? No. Leonard Skinner, Freebird? No, Skinner. Well, that was the music back then. And he played all those Atlanta bars. Mm -hmm. But his luck was. Uh, well, my dad never got lucky. So he started trucking. Yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of. But we were close. Like your mother. What? She died in Angola when I was 16. She was a translator. 
I show you photograph. It's from wedding. And then are they get? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think you just nailed what it is. Is the the lure back, the tilt back goes? Oh no, the movie exists. You know the, what you've seen so far matters. And I almost feel like I don't know, like Michael Mann, as he increasingly becomes m- less wedded to narrative, uh, in, in a traditional sense. I'm almost like I wonder if ever that was a thought in his head of like, oh no, just Crockett runs away with her. Like right then, they just pack up and leave, yeah. and then they're hunted down. Like I'm just like that's almost like a, it's almost like a the the peck and pa getaway version of this movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's that's it's just something that I love. I love in moments in movies in like those. Uh, you know, we talk about them in historical hinge points, like hinge points in moments. But I just love that, especially on a micro level with a with a movie, is if you can believe if you can believe the potential for escape that can have a really powerful effect on you for the rest of the way that you watch yeah. the movie. And I, I feel like, yeah. I feel like the more we talk about this, and especially talking to you about it today, Brandon, and I'm like, I love that. I, for a split second, if I'm just really in this and I'm not thinking about anything else, I'm like, maybe they just stay there and they just don't go yeah. back to their lives anymore. Yeah. That that's, possibility has to feel real. Yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But that's, that's like he's so good at making you forget you're watching a Michael Mann movie in a weird way because you're just like you believe it up until he walks back into that hospital that he's yes. going to stay with her yes. and and it's just like he's just so good at that because like twisting that knife at the end it's just like time ran out and you know you're just you're sad again but but you're right for like a split second you're just like is this going to happen is he going to do it but it's Michael Mann he's never going to let let them be happy. <laughs> The island dream will remain a postcard on the uh, whatever that thing is called on your car. The on, your vo- on, on, your on, car. The, on the sun shield, on the visor. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, I, I can't get enough of um, also imagining what characters are thinking in certain moments, especially background actors. And I just always think about those two, like, is it like two nurses smoking, watching Crockett come back in, going, oh, look at that guy. He looks like a piece of shit, you know, like, you know, like, God, he looks so tired, you know, like having a cigarette at the back of the hospital at the end of the movie. I'm just like, I kind of want to know what they were thinking or what what Michael Mann's instruction was to them, because it's just like, they're so casual and in walks this cop who's sweaty and smelly and grimy and hasn't slept in 36 hours. And, and, and they're just like, Hey buddy, how you doing? You know, have this cigarette. They're like, we've seen it before. Well, that, that's why I think it's such a perfect continuation of the show. I haven't seen too much of the show, but from what I have seen, like, I remember a big complaint at the time was, oh, it's, you know, not as fun as the show. And maybe that's true, but, like, I just think that people kind of forget that by the end of that show, Don Johnson is, like, wearing jeans. He's all disheveled, and he, he looks like someone's, like, degenerate stepdad. And I'm just, like, like I just feel like the, the movie captures that perfectly, and I think a lot of people forgot how Miami Vice, like, kind of, like, ended. It was, like, Crockett was like a mess and and I just think that it was like a perfect kind of continuation and it just makes me a little sad when people are like oh it doesn't it never captured the show's vibes I think it got it perfectly yeah I I, if the I know Katie hasn't seen too much of it I've seen the first I've seen I've seen I've seen the whole first season and little bits and pieces of the others um there was 
I used to have like a crappy DVD, but there is apparently, I've been told by our friend Travis Woods that there is a spectacular Blu-ray transfer of the whole series, which I've got to get my hands on. But the first pilot episode is like, even has in the air tonight with Collins, you know, like it's a serious, <laughs> it's a seriously great pilot. Like there are some pilots that are like, okay, it has a bit of a kooky moment where he's on a boat and he has an alligator, but it's like a real <laughs> full on like, thing you can tell that that was the mixed up tone that like sometimes people were like really decadent and stupid and wearing like really outlandish clothes but it was like a serious show with like drug runners and international espionage and you know it was a serious thing i think i've seen the pilot i don't think i've seen any other episodes other than that but yeah so i can't really comment on the show but i do often and i know people don't like that no they, <laughs> I, 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 I think that i think there are people that are just out there that know it so well like and, and right. I, it's so important like it's so impossible. This is, unfortunately, this is Miami nice about the film. Yeah. Like if we were doing the show, like we would have to <laughs> right. exhaustively research it, but it's just like, it's not, it's not, it's not what it is. Well, Brandon, I love that you said he like Don Johnson is like a degenerate stepdad at the end. Yeah. <laughs> because I just think in, the, there's like a period, I don't know. I don't know if Colin Farrell's still in it. I mean, it may have been like 2006 to like, whenever True Detective season two was, mm, but mm. he had big degenerate stepdad energy, especially in True Detective season two, which I recapped oh, yeah, for the playlist and I thought was so stupid, but maybe I need to go back <laughs> and watch it. It's, it's, a, it's a mess, but but I love it solely for him. And it's so funny. Like, he's I've, amazing. Like he's yes, amazing. Yes, but I feel like if you isolated the characters in True Detective season two, you could say, oh, I love him. I love her. I love them. Right. It's fine. But when you actually watch it all together, you're like, yuck. Like, this yeah. stinks. And also, <laughs> it's it, the worst thing in the whole world is, um, and I've so many people, that's another like thing that so many people assure me that Blake, True Detective Season 2 is great. And I'm like, yeah. But I've watched True Detective Season 1 maybe 15 times. Like I lo like it's a perfect show. It's a perfect story. And then I watched True Detective season two, and I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, like you'll never revisit season two. I don't know many people that do revisit. I own it. I bought it because of people like <laughs> Travis Woods. Like I assure you, it's good. I'm like, it's still sitting. I'm looking at it right now on my shelf. I'm like, I'm not watching that. I don't even know why I bought it. I think you nailed it. That I, I this is what I felt when I was recapping the show was that everybody was in a different show, and. Yes. Vince Vaughn was in his own show and Rachel McAdams was in her own show and Colin Farrell was in some kind of David Lynchian nightmare. <laughs> and I kind of was on the Ray Velcoro train because it was so <laughs> ridiculous. And I do think that there is a direct line between Sonny Crockett and Ray Velcoro. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like maybe that's, it's the sequel. <laughs> yeah, like that's the that's the only reason that show's worth watching for me is like we're getting more of Crockett, which is really nice. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's the, so uh, funny that when I wrote that piece, I didn't mean for it to become like a huge love letter to Colin Farrell. But by the end of it, I was like, oh, I guess he is my favorite actor. I wrote a haiku to <laughs> Colin Farrell's mustache on this podcast. So this is the place to express <laughs> all 
of the love for Sonny and, and Colin that you can. There's just oh. nobody like him. He can look like a million different things and you just believe it every time. Like even Dumbo, which I hated when he had the clown makeup on, I'm like, he's so hot. It's unfair. Like, he's <laughs> like, it's, it's, Bullseye and Daredevil. He, yeah, he comes, he, he, he comes, he comes out of Daredevil unscathed. Colin Farrell has come out of so many things unscathed. Like he's the guy that like in the worst movie, you're like, no, he was good. Like even in like even that, in that garbage total recall that uh yeah, that he, yeah. like he actually wasn't bad and the whole rest of the movie sucks. Like that's that's another like a travesty that people decided to remake. Um uh, it's but kind of yeah. how I feel uh, kind of how I feel about whatever that I don't remember the name for some reason but whatever that Harry Potter movie was called that he's in. Uh, the whole time I'm like, "Oh, he's great in this." And then by the time it ends he turns into Johnny Depp and I'm like, well, I don't want to watch any more of these movies. Like I thought the movie was terrible, but I was like, I'll watch more of him doing whatever he's doing. And then it's like, Oh, I don't want to see Johnny Depp now. Yeah. And also the, <laughs> the other silly thing is when they recast, I mean, look, we all love Mads. This is a Mads Stan podcast as well. Just like, uh, um, uh, absolutely. But also why not just cast Colin Farrell again? I mean, maybe they yeah. couldn't entice him to do it. It's like, he already played the guy. Just, yeah. just yeah. like, just get, just use digital effects to like switch him back to Colin Farrell <laughs> and just Colin Farrell again. Like I've watched that movie and I hate yeah. those movies. He really is such an interesting actor. I mean, his whole career has been, I mean, he's totally like a Val Kilmer type or like a, you know, the type that's they're trying to make him happen as this like leading man, but he's a character actor and he's a weirdo and he's got the leading man looks, but he's also just like wants to do bizarre things mm. and so it's like he kind of defies categorization in a way and i'm hoping that he i mean it seems like he's found sort of a groove of like choosing things that he wants to do but if you look back on his career it's like what fright night like it's just yeah. all these really <laughs> random things but he's great in all of them even if the movies were bad absolutely and it's it's frustrating because like there's things he's in that i'm only just finding out about like somebody tweeted the other day about a show that he's on an AMC plus which was a streaming service I didn't know existed until that, that tweet. <laughs> but he looks like a mess on that show from that screenshot but I'm like I need to see this because it's amazing <laughs> I mean yeah like, like, I, I will see anything he, with him he's 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 his career is so fascinating like I feel like the the Yorgos Lanthimos sort of a uh, few yes. films that he's done uh, like you know oh, I mean, how could we forget I mean look Killing of a Sacred Deer was you know not maybe not as good but the lobster is so phenomenal and like it feels like for for every one of those he gives us it's just a bit up and down like i love him in the gentleman i think he's maybe the best part of that whole movie the beguiled um he's absolutely outstanding in uh you know then you get the lobster ugh, just completely sensational um and even like seven psychopaths where he's like playing a version of the director in the movie of that <laughs> that whole thing he's great and even horrible bosses he's such a silly goose um yeah i've got a i've got a I've got a lot of time for his absolutely batshit career choices. I really do. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's yeah. he's, a he's a special guy. I was just looking at his IMDb to find this uh, AMC Plus show, which is called The North Water, and it's a whaling show. How did I not know about the Colin oh Farrell God. whaling show? <laughs> I know. This is so on brand for you. <laughs> I know. I'm pissed. I'm angry. I'm writing letters, I don't know, to someone. <laughs> But I totally forgot he was in Voyagers, which came out this year. Did you guys see that? No, I didn't say it. Yeah, I forgot oh I saw that movie. I completely, that movie just washed right over me. Yeah, so it's about these like horny teens in space 
and Colin Farrell is their only supervision. <laughs> I'm like, that what is, could go wrong? That's not a good idea in any way, shape, or form. That is not a good idea. Who cast him as like the paternal father who's like, okay, kids, take your horny your pills no. that make you not horny. No, 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 no. This is not a guy who can do that. A guy it's who has a multiple sex tapes available readily on the internet should not be the parental supervision. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to judge. That movie was batshit, but it was kind of, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 like you said, Brandon, it came and went. I completely forgot it existed. <laughs> but the, the one thing I wanted to go back to really quickly is that back to the last episode actually was, um, I, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter picking up on this, was the idea of like, reappraising something and just having good hot takes and i it's just like that's something that's just like really been like exciting for me lately is just seeing so many people embrace things and i feel like twitter like kind of incentivizes like the opposite of that which is frustrating and, and like we all fall into it but but yeah it's just it's really nice to like hear things that just make you want to like revisit something because you're like oh maybe i didn't hear it that way like, yeah look i i think one thing that katie has really taking the positive hot takes and, and we've, and we've both, which is, which I love. Um, but, but we're like, we've, we almost had to start, like I started creating a meme some time ago about like, I just started saying things were hack shit. Like when I saw people have bad faith film takes, I'm like, this is hack shit. You're just trying to get me to read it. So I'm really mad that you're, yeah. you're, you're that you've made me mad. And, and so I just started randomly posting, like when I would see like people getting fired up, I'm like, no, this is hack shit. Like, this is not what we want. And, and I think, you know, if there's anything that we can both be proud of, it's like, um, and both in the podcast and both in just how we both are on Twitter. I just love talking about the things that I love and love sharing that love of those things with people like Katie and people like yourself. Cause it's just like, this is, this is actually what matters when there's some piece of art that resonates or continues to resonate or actually cuts through and doesn't just like wash over you and you completely forget that it even exists. I think that they, that's something pretty special, especially stuff that can, you know, with great filmmakers and great themes that are really resonant. So yeah, like it's, if there's one cool thing, it's, and it was so funny. Someone was so enamored with the positive hot takes. They've started doing it weekly and they're like, Oh, cloud Atlas is great. And so I started getting, we started getting, and so we're like, cool, like read that. And then like 10 tweets later, someone's like cloud Atlas sucks. And I'm like, read the fucking hashtag, bro. Get out of here. I don't care if you don't like it. Just get out of right. my tweets. Mute. See ya. I like the hack shit thing because it's like, especially with old just coming out, it's like so many people were like logging onto Twitter, just like, throwing up takes about M night that are like 10 years late. And it's like, come on, man, like read the room. Like we, we all heard it before. Like, and it's just like, you're not saying anything that isn't exciting or new. So, you know, why not take the opposite approach and find something that no one's talking about? And uh, there were a few of those that came up I, and I've can't remember which ones I hacked shit or which ones I just ignored, but it was like, you know, M night kind of sucks. And you're like, really? The guy who did the sixth yeah. sense, you're gonna say he sucks? Get out of here. Yeah. Just go. Like get, like everyone's favorite director when he made like a few of those movies in a row, just walk. I mean, you might not love everything, but you can't dismiss someone completely offhand for ambition and yeah. having a style and having a feeling, you know, like I mean, unbreakable. Sixth sense. Right. If that's in your resume, go away. I like, mean, speaking of sincerity and everything, Lady in the Water is like one of my all-time favorite movie. movies like, movie. I, I, I love that movie so like I, I think I said this to you on Spady on Twitter but like I'm always going to be in on filmmakers 
just taking massive swings and yeah. trying something and having their own identity over anything else. And even if it doesn't work, I'm like, well, at least that was something. And instead of, you know, just the same thing we see over and over again, you know, I tried watching Jungle Cruise and tapped out at, and, and after like 20 minutes and I just was like, this just looks like everything else. No one's trying. And it's like, it's just nice to see people trying. And I think Miami Vice is a perfect movie to like, kind of like, that's kind of like what started to turn the the key in my head a little bit of like, oh, I kind of like want to talk about things that I love, even if other people don't. It's been so nice to find like a massive community around Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that's like cropped up. It's, it's yeah. as soon as you say it, it's just like that. There's all these people that are waiting under the water, like a like a like a Navy SEAL, and they just like put their head up. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, we're all here waiting for you. When we, last summer, when we put up the amazing podcast art that we mm. created, we like just put up. A, we hadn't even recorded a podcast episode yet. We just put up the the fake poster of us, and like I got so many DMs from people that were like, "I want to be on. I want to be on yeah. this podcast." I was like, "Whoa, really?" Um, but it was really funny how all these people came out of the woodworks, but. Yeah, I mean, I think, Brandon, what I appreciate about your Twitter presence is you do talk a lot about the, th the things that you love. And I so appreciate that because that's totally my vibe right now. And um, I also think that people have what I call weigh in disease where they have to weigh in. So it's like, I don't have anything original to say about M. Night Shyamalan. So I'm just going to like say some hack shit. It's like we have all these phrases to describe yeah. the Twitter behavior, yeah. but it's like, I'm just like, you don't have to say anything like you don't. And, and I started thinking about this last year. Like if I watch a film and I don't like it or I don't care for it, I don't need to tweet about it. Like I can just tweet about the things that I like and like that's allowed. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I just kind of feel like if I don't like it, I don't have to say anything unless, of course, I'm reviewing it and then I will say it. But like I'm not <laughs> trying to like, you know, put that energy out there in a way, and you can do it in a way that's obviously constructive and thoughtful. And so, I mean, I'm not against like negative criticism at all. Like I'm totally pro it's, negative it's, it's, criticism. It's, it's, it's part of, it's part of the game that at some point you, do, you have to, but it's also like when you're casually doing it, what do you get out of it? And I think that that's, right. that's a big misnomer. It's a big misconception about you, Katie. And it's what I admire you like being in the grind of like the weekly criticism is like, if you're, if you're commissioned to write about something that you don't like, and like, I'm kind of fortunate because I write so little, uh, that usually the things that I get to write about are just things I want to write about. So like, you know, I would like you that the great Garth Franklin at Dark Horizons is like, Hey Blake, this month, can you write about pig, you know, writers yeah. of justice and something else? I'm like, fuck yeah, sleeves rolled up. I'm like, you know, I'll write, write the shit out of a pig review. And then one of them is like also Space Jam Legacy. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> no, but, um, but yeah, so I don't, it's like, you're just going to criticize it because if it's bad and you're commissioned to write about it, you do it. But it's also like, exactly as you said, when I don't have to weigh in. Why do it? I'm not even going to say a word. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Fine. I've, I've like kind of taken it so far to like, I'm now like, even if no one's going to take my pitch for them, I'll just write on what, the blog that I used to keep a few years ago before I started freelancing just to talk about how much I love something. I did that recently with a piece that I wrote. And, and I just don't think, I like, going back to sincerity, I don't think, like, sincerity and earnestness is prioritized in film writing either. I think a lot of times you're asked to, like, remove your own voice and everything. And it's just it's a little frustrating because you just want to, like, be able to talk about what something meant to you 
little, like sometimes even more than the, the craft of the movie. And and I just trying to I, I don't know if it's going to hurt my freelancing career at all, but I'm trying to pivot more into just writing about how I felt about something. Like, Honestly, uh, it will only help your freelance. It will only help. It will only help. Yeah, here's, here's both of us going. I started a podcast about heat <laughs> that, that was literally only for me. Yeah. There was no one else that that was for, Brandon. That idea was like, my friends were like, oh, let him get it out of his system. <laughs> that was four years I, ago. And I just, have to shout it out. I have to shout it out because I think that there's a lot of overlap in loving Michael Mann movies with this part of film Twitter, but action film Twitter is where I really started. Oh, I like, like action film Twitter too. A yeah, lot. That, that, that's where like I've met so many people there, a lot of great guys, like guys and women. There are just so many great people that are just like, like when Mortal Kombat came out, everyone was like, wow, this sucks. But then we were, but then instead of dwelling on it, it was like, here's a ton of like DTV tournament movies that are actually awesome that no one's ever heard of. But go watch these. Like Scott Adkins has become like one of my all time favorite actors because of this, just like finding all these people that are just, they have these super hot takes, but it's about like DTV movies you find in the $5 bin. And it's just, it's just a blast. Like, yeah. I have to shout that out. I, I'm a action film Twitter lurker, and I feel like I love like it, learn a lot. Yeah, and I I yeah. love action films. Like I'm obsessed with action movies, but I feel like I learn just from following like genre film addict or Vice Victus, who are like really breaking down a lot of these things. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like sit back and see like what these guys are saying. And yeah. Help, absolutely. And, and, yeah. So it's yeah. like it's fun to um to to kind of pick up on that stuff. It's very educational. It is. I've learned more from Vice or like um, uh, One Perfect Headshot. Like that's what it. One Perfect Headshot is more. so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vice, Vice is Vice is my favorite in action. Like if, yeah, I'm always looking for his take um, on a new action movie, especially if I haven't seen it or something's released, just to get to get that. And especially, uh, I've been looking at his stuff with some of the Marvel stuff about like, uh, you know, if if I'm a bit on the fence of like, oh, is this even. Am I even gonna bother with this? You know, <laughs> right. and he might he might shout out. No, the action's pretty. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll give it a chance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but no, sorry. One perfect headshot. You were saying, Brandon, please. Oh no! Oh no! Just those two guys, a few others. Just their Twitter threads about like editing in an action movie. I learned. I learned more reading those Twitter threads than I did in the three years that I was in. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, totally. In, in, there's another guy, Mike Stott. He does not to bring up another podcast on your podcast, but he does a podcast that's devoted to Scott Adkins, where he does one Scott Adkins movie, an episode, and, and, and Scott actually found out about it and has come on the show now and talked awesome. about talked with him every episode. But he did a he did a thread about Mortal Kombat and why the edit the, the editing didn't work in that movie, and then compared it to other movies. And it's just it, it's just so refreshing to see that kind of stuff. Like to see people embracing things, but also teaching you like what goes into something that makes it good instead of just being like, oh, that sucks. And then leaving it at that. You're like, oh, that sucks. And here's why. Or Yeah. 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 And, and that's, I think, um, what's been awesome in the culture is for so long on the sidelines, these action directors and second unit directors and and stunt stunt coordinators had kind of been pushed. And it was only like, I feel like 
the first time that I was actually aware of it was like the Wachowskis with the um, Wenwo Ping fight school and stuff like that. And then you find out about them working on Kill Bill. Yeah. Like they, they kind of popularized that sort of thing. But it was always on the fringes. And then you get stuff like, you know, everything that's happening with John Wick and the, and the universe and watching actual stunt coordinators turn themselves into filmmakers in their own right. And you're like, no, there's a difference when people actually know right. how to do this, how to frame it, how to edit it, how to not touch it how to leave think action happening in front of your eyes. It's like, it's, it resonates. It hits differently than something that's met. Like it's that, it's that crazy thing of Liam Neeson climbing a fence and taking three and there's 13 <laughs> cuts. And you're yes. just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like the psycho shower scene, but for climbing a fence, right. it's the stupidest thing in the world. But when you watch like an action set piece that is really deftly coordinated and there's maybe only two to three setups and they're cut in between them perfectly for the crashing of movement and that makes visual sense and geographical sense in the scene for you and i think all those guys do that they they do those breakdowns about why the edit's important and where the camera is on the next pickup um yeah it's special because again and yeah. that and the lot you know to bring it back to miami vice that's the logic of those you know those first person experiential like break through the doors scenes and break into the you know posing as the haitians to steal the drug load the first year euro drug load it's like the cuts come and they move and the camera is moving for dynamism it's not just to over edit to like hype you up it's like right the camera follows you all the way down you catch them it whips back up for colin farrell to reveal his face like in that perfect like take his mask off moment the action editing and the and the choreography is so special and like if movies can do it good they should be celebrated and if movies don't do it well it's like what's the point of this yeah, yeah. And, and i think with oh go ahead brandon oh no good you're, you're you're fine oh just like you said before you feel like you're in good hands when you're watching a michael mann film and like i have noticed that you know re-watching certain things re-watching collateral and just being like it's so hard to make a movie that compelling because mm. I've watched so many bad movies that are like not compelling yeah. at all. And so <laughs> if you watch enough bad movies like I do, then you <laughs> realize how hard it is to just like suck you in instantly. And like, man, it's he makes it look like butter. Like he just makes it look so easy <laughs> to just like you're in it. You're you're in this world. You are invested with these people. You like there's some conflict that you like are instantly involved with i'm just like so impressed by how he just uh brings you in in that way and, and and you're in the world you're not picking up on oh the cut was this or the framing is that i mean obviously you know there's like excellent you know artful work craftsmanship going on but you're paying attention to the story and the characters you're not you know that's, analyzing that's, stuff that's exactly why i love them is that there's just such a like when there's so much strong craft like commitment to strong craft i mean you you almost you, you just lose yourself in it like he's so committed to like bringing guys on who know exactly what they're doing like for the shootout and heat getting those gunshots like exactly right or like bringing people on like dennis Farina, who eventually became a great actor but he was brought on it to um what was it uh was he brought on to manhunter uh, it was, it was, it was it, he was, he was on all the way back in Thief. He is in Thief that, briefly yeah. as a background actor, but right. he was on as a, originally as a consultant. There's a few guys, um, like for example, in Vice, uh, the main consultant about like the armed forces is one of, uh, Montoya's guards when they go to the truck. Like, um, I think right. he, yeah. they, so he's an ex special forces guy who, who escorts Farrell and Fox over 
uh, to to the truck with Isabella yeah. in in in, in the, that scene. Like he's one of the technical advisors and he's in that shot. And one of their yeah, one of the undercover advisors, the former Miami Vice cop, is the guy at the beginning of Vice is like not that jump dump powder back in New York Rico. Like that's, he's like an actual ex undercover cop who's playing a, you know, a drug dealer in that scene. Um, I just really loved his commitment to professionalism just with inside the film and without the outside of the film. And it's just like what you were saying, Katie, about just like feeling like you're in safe hands, just like taking you along. I feel like that professionalism from the top down just like allows you to just like you never feel at sea with his movies, even if you don't quite understand what's going on. Like I don't for Black Cat, I, I still feel like I'm so in on this because everyone else knows what they're doing. So I just have right. to trust them. Right. There is, yeah, it's a, a trusting relationship that you have with him and, and, and you can, and it's palpable in the filmmaking. So I think that always comes through. Absolutely. Yeah. Brandon, thank you so much for being a part of Miami Nice. Thank you so much for uh, continuing to uh, influence uh, uh, minds on the internet uh, via your Twitter and your great piece for the playlist uh, to find Miami Vice, uh, to listen to Miami Nice, to engage, and especially your positive hot takes. Um, Thank you so much for being a part of the show again. At (laughs) B-R-N-D-N-S-T-R-S-S-N-G is where people can find you on Twitter. Um, We will link to your great piece that you did for the playlist uh, in the description notes. Uh, That one is called Miami Vice, quintessentially Michael Mann at 15 years. But man, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This was really, really awesome. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.